to find the book of Romans chapter 6, begin to read in verse 1 for a few moments this morning. I want to speak to you on this subject, freedom from sin's possession. Freedom from sin's possession. Romans chapter 6, we'll begin to read in verse 1. I'll invite you to stand, all those that can and are able, in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's word where the apostle Paul writes in Romans 6 verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly also we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, and that the body of sin might be done away with, and that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're under law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that your spirit would challenge us and speak to us. Father, I recognize this morning that we have an enemy against our soul. God, he would have us today not to hear the truths of this text so that people might continue on slaves to sin. For those who have never been saved, slaves to the penalty of sin. For those who are saved, God, but have allowed themselves to, to become entrapped by an addiction, a habit, anything that Satan can use, God, to, to, to separate us from you positionally. Uh, because of unrepented sin. God, I pray that they will push away from the voice of the enemy today. God, we declare that he is a defeated foe through the blood of Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that you'll give us ears to hear, appetites to ingest your word. And God, I pray as we come to a time of invitation, which you called us to do today, we will do. For those who have never been saved, they'll turn to Jesus Christ today and surrender their life and trust Christ to be Lord of their life. And God, I pray every believer will hide these truths in their heart, no matter where they are today. God, if they've allowed themselves to become a slave again today, God, they will declare their independence again through the blood of Jesus Christ that sets us 
free. God, help us today to receive these truths so that we daily can walk in spiritual victory. Your will be done. Be glorified through it all. In Christ's name we pray and ask these things. Amen. And I'll invite you to be seated. July 4, 1776, 56 men assigned what we know as our Declaration of Independence. It was a declaration that no longer would we be slaves to Britain. No longer would a nation across the pond tell us how we were going to live. Uh, we, we moved here uh, that we might be a people who were free to serve God, to be one nation under God. And our Declaration of Independence and the freedom we have as Americans, uh, that's what we celebrate uh, on this weekend. And, you know, there's no greater country to be born in or belong to. But everybody's not afforded that opportunity. Uh, everyone's not afforded the opportunity to be born in America and to experience that kind of freedom. I promise you, friend, those that live in China, they give anything to have the freedom that we have as Americans. Those who are living today in North Korea, they'd trade a second, one second of your life to be able to experience freedom for just one moment. Those who are in Venezuela today who are being oppressed, those in Syria, the church that's in Iran, they, I promise this, friend, you wouldn't have to talk them into getting up and come to church on Sunday morning. They would give anything to have the freedom that we have as Americans to be able to serve God and to serve Him freely. But everyone isn't afforded that opportunity. But thanks be to God, every person is afforded, everyone, the opportunity to experience spiritual freedom through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 8 and in verse number 36, a text that we'll see in just a few months as the Lord wills. He says in verse 36, Therefore, if the Son makes you free... You shall be free indeed. It doesn't matter what country you're born in, no matter what state your political freedom is, you can be free spiritually in the Lord Jesus Christ. In our text this morning, the, the, the book of Romans uh, is a declaration of spiritual freedom. It's a celebration of the freedom that the believer has in Jesus Christ. In verse number 14 of Romans 6, Paul says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Paul says we don't have to be possessed by sin. Verses 17 through 18. But, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, those who have repented and trusted Christ and surrendered their life to Him, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. That's the gospel. Verse 18. And you've been set free from sin, and you've become rather slaves now to righteousness. And so Paul shares in Romans chapter 6, he describes three steps for the believer to experience everyday spiritual freedom from sin's possession. Now listen to me this morning. If you've never been saved, you don't need to be set free from sin's possession. You need to first be set free from sin's penalty because the wages of sin is death. And then when once you have turned to Christ and you've been set free from sin's penalty, then you have spiritual life. And then it's the process of sanctification begins where you can be free from sin's possession over your life. And, you know, in, in that thought, thanks be to God, it helps us to look forward to the day when Christ is coming back from his church. We're going to have a glorified body and then we'll be set free from sin's presence. But until that day, friend, God gives us the opportunity through the power of the Holy Spirit to live lives that are free from sin's possession over us. Three things I want you to notice this morning, three steps for the believer to experience everyday spiritual freedom from sin's possession over your life. Number one, you need to comprehend 
your freedom in Christ. You need to comprehend, the key word is comprehend, your freedom in Christ. You know, imagine someone shares a, uh, a particular story um, with you, and I'm not going to give an example, but they just, you know, someone you've just met, and, you know, you say, well, you know, well, tell me about you. Tell me about your life. And they begin to tell you about their life, and they, they begin to, to share a story. I, all right, I'll, I'll give you an illustration. And maybe they begin to, to share how they've had a battle with cancer. Okay? And they begin to share you know, the effects that cancer has had on their life or the life of their loved one. And there's not a person in here whose family hasn't been affected by cancer in some way. And you begin to listen to them, and as they begin to speak, now listen to me, you, you begin to identify with what it is that they're sharing. And sometimes it may be more personal than not. If, if they went through the cancer and you've gone through cancer, then boy, you can really identify with them. But maybe if it was just, you know, you had a loved one, you can somewhat identify with him. But you're captured by their story. Their story just doesn't fall on, on deaf ears. For example, if an if astronaut came and tried to share with me their trip to space and back, I would listen to it and I would be amazed at that, but I couldn't identify with that. But another astronaut could identify with that. They begin to identify themselves in, in what they're saying. And they might share with you and say, tell all that, and you say, well, you know, I guess you just don't understand what I'm saying with you, what I'm saying to you, this, this story I'm sharing. But if you've experienced, listen to me, if you've experienced what they've experienced, you say, no, I understand. I can, I can identify with what it is that you're, you're sharing. You can see yourself in what they've shared. You really comprehend what they've experienced they're trying to share with you what it is that they've experienced and you you comprehend it you truly know what it is that they've gone through look at your bibles in verse number three paul begins to share this first step to spiritual freedom is to comprehend yourself what what christ has done for you or do you not know that that word know there it literally means to comprehend do you, not, do you not have an understanding? Do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? And so the, the first step is, is, is to comprehend. It's, it's to really comprehend what it is that Jesus Christ has done for you. And then three things you need to understand what, what has happened that as you identify yourself. Number one, you need to identify that you died with Christ. Look what the Bible says again in verse number three. Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death? You need to comprehend, friend, that Christ is your sin substitute. When Jesus died on the cross, he not only was dying for the whole world, friend, but he was dying for you. He died in your place. And you need to comprehend that. You need to understand that. That's what Paul is saying, that Christ is our sin substitute. Well, why did he die? Well, skip down to verse number 23. It's not in our text today, but it's right there in chapter 6. For the wages of sin is death. Um, that's the New Testament version of Genesis chapter 2 and verse uh, 17. Uh, for, it's the tree of good, for the tree of knowledge and good and evil in the midst of the garden, God told Adam and Eve, you shall not eat of it. For the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Death is the penalty for sin. You work all week, uh, and if, whether you're paid weekly or biweekly, whenever it's time, friend, you work and you receive a paycheck that is a reward for what you've done. Friend, the reward for sin is death. 
And when Jesus died on the cross, he was our sin substitute. He died in our place. No more beautiful illustration than in Leviticus chapter 16. God is getting the nation of Israel ready for tabernacle worship, what would later be temple worship. And he began to prepare them for things that would take place on the Day of Atonement. There would be many things that would happen. But one specific thing was this. The Bible says in Leviticus chapter 16 that two goats would be brought to the door of the tabernacle. And lots would be cast over those two goats. One goat would belong to God. It would be offered as a sacrifice for the people's sins. And the other goat would be a scapegoat. But that one goat, don't miss this, it became a sin substitute for the people because the wages of sin is death. And for atonement to be made for the people's sins, uh, death had to take place. And so that animal would, would give its blood as a sin substitute for, this, for the place of the people. And friend, that's what Jesus Christ did for us. Look at verse number 6. Paul says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. You've got to see, friend, that when Christ died, listen, if you're going to have victory over sin, you've got to comprehend your place in the work of Christ. When Jesus Christ died, he died in your place. He was your sin substitute. You have to identify yourself with that. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. And so when Christ died on the cross, friend, and you see that picture, you need to see yourself on that cross. He died to free you not only from sin's penalty, but listen, as you continue to have spiritual life and serve him on a daily basis... You don't have to be a victim to Satan. You can have freedom from sin's possession as you identify yourself with what it is Christ has done for you. So you need to see that you died with Christ, comprehend that, but you also need to comprehend that you've been buried with him. Death, burial, resurrection. Well, Leviticus 16, verses 21 through 22, it tells about goat number two. And so goat number two would come, and it would stand there, and it looked guilty because all goats look guilty. And so the goat would stand there. And the high priest would come. Now, don't miss this. And he would place his hands on the live goat, and he would begin to confess the sins of the people over that goat. Literally, he was confessing them on them. And then one individual who'd be chosen, he would take that goat, and he would lead that goat out into the wilderness, and he would let that goat go, and that goat would walk away from the people symbolically. Don't miss this carrying the sins away from the people into a place of forgottenness. Look what the Bible says in verse number 4, as, as we comprehend ourselves in Christ, what it is that he's done for us. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. Listen, when, when Christ died on the cross, he didn't stay there. Part of the gospel message, friend, is that Jesus was buried. And when he was buried, you need to understand, friend, you were buried. Your old life has been buried with him. That's part of the song that Randy sang this morning. Friend, listen, God doesn't remember, praise his name, the foolish man that I used to be. My old life was buried in the seas of God's forgetfulness. He has chosen, Hebrews 8 and verse 12, to remember my sins no more. And so when that goat walked out in the wilderness, symbolically it was carrying the sins of the people away. And so many people, you listen to me this morning, I, this may be somebody here this morning, I guarantee you there's at least one person here this morning that battles with this. You battle with sins of the past. 
You allow Satan to, com- to constantly bring up the past. Your failures before you met Jesus Christ, or even after you met Jesus Christ, but they've been atoned for. And you continue to allow, that's condemnation. Friend, listen, when, you, when Christ was buried, the old man, the old woman was buried with him. That means sins past, present, future, everything that you've brought under the blood of Jesus Christ, friend, God chooses to remember it no more. If you're going to walk in victory, you don't need to be held captive by past sin because your old life has been buried. But so many people, friend, I know from talking to them that they live in defeat because of sorrow and because of embarrassment over the past. You listen to me this morning. If you have brought that sin captive under the lordship of Jesus Christ, it is forgiven. He doesn't talk about it. He doesn't bring it up in heaven. And every time Satan tries to throw it in his face, you throw it right back in his face and you tell him, I am forgiven in Jesus Christ and I will not listen to your lies. You've got to identify yourself with that. Not only that you died with Christ, but that you were buried with him. He chooses to remember our sins no more. But as you comprehend your freedom in Christ, third, you must, you must identify yourself that you've been raised with Christ. Christ died He was buried, but praise His holy name, friend, on the third and appointed day, He rose from the grave to new life. And we were raised with Him. That word, know this, comprehend this. Look at verse number 4. Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, look at your Bibles, even so we, and that literally translates me, it's we collective, but don't let it miss you. That means you too. You know, it's, well, you don't understand what I did. Friend, God paid for it. You're a new creature in Jesus Christ. And God wants you to stop living in defeat from the failures of yesterday and experience new life today in Jesus Christ. Even so, we should walk in newness of life. We've been, we've been raised well, not to sit, not to soak, but to walk a life of obedience in fulfilling the Great Commission. We've been, we've been raised with Him. Verse number 5, For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, listen, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. That is, He came out of the grave, friend, to walk, to fulfill ministry for, for 40 days. He ascended to heaven. He ever lives to make intercession for you and me. We've got the heavenly carpenter, friend. He's preparing a place for you right now to inhabit for all eternity. Jesus is working. We're to be working. We've been raised from that not to be held captive by sin. So I'm to identify myself with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. I'm to comprehend. I need to know. I need to have a bulldog grip on what it is that Jesus Christ has done for me, and how it affects me positionally. That I can have freedom in sin. Listen to how Paul describes it in Galatians chapter 2 and in verse number 20. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I want to give you an illustration. Listen to me of why so many Christians walk daily in spiritual defeat and they never experience the abundant life that God wants them to experience. Now again, I'm talking about, friend, people have been set free from sin's penalty. But they've allowed themselves 
to be defeated and not be set free daily from sin's possession over their life. Remember that in John chapter 11. We'll get to that text as the Lord leads in, in several months. But Lazarus has died. And so Jesus is called. He was allowed to die so that God might be glorified. And you'll remember that he, he wept. Uh, and was it because of their heartbreak, those that were there? Or was it because he's going to have to bring Lazarus? I've always thought he wept more because Lazarus was going to have to come back to this sin-cursed earth. What he was going to bring him back from. But you remember, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And you remember that as Lazarus came out in those mummy clothes? He came walking out in the grave clothes. You remember what Jesus said in John chapter 11 and verse number 44? He said, loose him and let him go. He came out all bound up in those grave clothes. He had died. He had been buried, and now he had been raised. But he was bound by the grave clothes of the past. Now, I want you to listen. That's why so many Christians live lives of utter defeat. They're still walking around in the grave clothes. Friend, listen. You've got to shake off the past. And you've got to embrace the new life that you have in Jesus Christ. And live in absolute spiritual victory. What Paul's saying is this. You need to comprehend yourself in Christ. Just as you've someone shared a story with you that had, that, had, that had been a parallel with your life. Don't miss this. And you identify yourself with what they've gone through. You need to identify yourself with Jesus Christ. When he died, I died. When he was buried, I was buried. When he was raised, praise his name. I've been raised to new life, and I'm going to live in that new life in the freedom of Christ. So you need to understand, you need to comprehend yourself in Christ. Number two, the second thing you have to do is you have to consider yourself free in Christ. You need to comprehend that you are free, but number two, you need to consider yourself free in Christ. Paul gives us a little review here in the next four verses. Look at verse number six. Again, knowing this, comprehending this. So knowing means comprehending this, that our old man, that's the old you, the, the, the one that was bound by sin's penalty, the old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with. That's all that stood against you that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. That's free from sin's penalty. But God's given you the ability to be set free from sin's possession. Listen to me. As long as you live on this earth, you're going to have spiritual warfare. You're going to be tempted. You're always going to have temptation. You're going to have to deal with lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, until you step into the presence of Christ. You're always going to have a battle about who's going to possess you, God or the devil. But you've been set free from sin's penalty if you've been saved. But you're dealing now with whether you're going to be set free daily from sin's possession over your life. Verse number 9, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. Listen to verse 10. For the death that he died... He died to sin once and for all. That means he paid for all my sin, past, present, and future. But the life that he now lives, raised, he lives to God. That is the life that Christ has after he wrote from God. That life is lived to glorify God. So look at verse number 11. Likewise, you also. Paul says you're to do in the same part. You've been set free from sin. Likewise, as he lives to God, verse 11, you live for God. 
That it's the freedom you have, the resurrection life you have. You're not to live for the devil, but you're to live for God. And if you're living, from God, if you're living for God, friend, you're not going to be bound by sin's possession. You're going to be seeking to live a life that's pleasing to Him. Look at verse number 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That word reckon literally means to consider it so. That's why you know, the, the first thing you have to do is to consider your freedom in Christ. Secondly, you have to, con- con- I mean, the first thing is to comprehend your freedom in Christ. Second, you have to consider yourself free in Christ. He, look at verse 11 again. He says, therefore, reckon yourselves to be dead. Consider yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God. Let me see if I can illustrate this for you. Uh, imagine a, there's a prisoner, and he's scheduled to be executed for a crime. And the president hears, whether it's the end of his term or he just has compassion, but he hears about the prisoner's plot and that the electric chair's in front of him. And so, though he deserves death, though he committed the crime, the president feels mercy upon him. And so, he chooses to pardon the individual. And so all those that are involved, they take the pardon, they bring it down to the jail, they hand the pardon to the prisoner, the prisoner reads the pardon, it's on official letterhead from the office of the president, I hereby, whoever the president is, declare you, John Smith, to be pardoned from the penalty of death, so signed the undersigned, you know, 914th president of the United States, and he reads that, and he, so listen, don't miss this. He, he now comprehends, he understands he's been pardoned. He knows this, don't miss it. He reads this. But what if he says, well, I refuse the pardon. I want to stay in jail until I'm killed. You say, well, nobody would ever do that. Do you know what actually happened in history? There was a man that robbed with another fella a post office, They were sentenced to death. The the other man was hung. It was time for the other guy to get hung. He had some rich friends, and they petitioned the president. The president pardoned him. They sent the pardon to the man. He wouldn't receive it. Well, they didn't know what to do. So they took it all the way to the Supreme Court, and the chief justice of the Supreme Court wrote a ruling that said, a pardon that will not be received is as worthless as the paper that it's written on. Therefore, the undersigned man must be hung. And so the man knew that he had been pardoned, but don't miss this. He wouldn't consider himself pardoned. He understood it, but he wouldn't reckon himself pardoned. You see, that he knew it, but he wouldn't do it. Verse 11 says, friend, you have to consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. There are many people, listen to me, they, they understand, they comprehend who they are in Jesus Christ, but they don't consider themselves free in Jesus Christ. They don't receive the freedom that they have, and therefore, friend, they walk in absolute defeat. They may comprehend it, but, they, but it's no effect on their life until they consider it. And that's why Paul says, friend, you have to consider yourself. Verse 7, likewise, you also consider yourself to be dead indeed to sin. That is, I don't, I don't want to be a prisoner. The Bible says I'm free. I want to be free. How many of you have ever heard somebody say, well, I just can't help myself? 
You hear sin today called a disease. You know, it's, it's a disease. Or this, this was inherited. My friend, the Bible says, whom the Lord has made free, he is free indeed. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you've got to choose to consider yourself, that's me. The Bible says I'm free, that I can be free, and I choose to be free from sin's grip over my life. So we see, first off, we have to comprehend our freedom in Christ. Secondly, we have to consider ourselves free in Jesus Christ, that is to receive the pardon that we have daily to be set free from sin's grip over our life, to consider ourselves dead to sin. Verse 11, look at it and alive to Jesus Christ. Look at it one more time. Likewise, you also, who do you think you means? You. It means me. Paul says, likewise, Chad Chandler. Likewise, Petty Roark. Likewise, Nick Chandler. Likewise, you. Whoever it is, you realize that this morning. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin but alive to God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen to me. You'll never walk in spiritual victory until you say and you look the devil in the face and say, I don't have to be bound by sin. I don't have to be bound. I don't care what the psychologists say. I don't care what the leaders of the 14-step program say. God's Word says I can be free. And I'm going to consider myself free. Likewise, you also Reckon yourselves. And then third, friend, if you're going to walk in spiritual victory, choose to serve God. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, no one can serve two masters. You can't do it. You'll love the one or you'll hate the other. You can't do it. Listen to me, friend. You're going to serve one or two people in this life. You're going to serve God or you're going to serve the devil. You can't compartmentalize your life. The reason so many people who name the name of Christ walk daily in absolute spiritual defeat is quite simple. They choose not to serve God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They compartmentalize their life. Look what Paul says the next step to victory is. Look at verse number 12. He says, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Now you need to understand something, friend. Without the power of God, you can have no victory over sin. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power. When Paul says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that's exactly what he means. Everything spiritually that God wants me to accomplish, I can do it, but only through the power of the Holy Spirit. So when the Bible says here, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that is, in the power of Christ, choose not to let it reign over you, to, to turn from those things. Well, well, how do you do that? Well, first off, you have to revolt against the flesh. How is it that we became Americans? Because 56 people who represented the majority sent a little love note over to Britain and said, no more. We're revolting. We're not going to live this way anymore. They got sick and tired of being sick and tired. And Paul says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. So choose to revolt against it. You say, devil, I'm not going to live this way anymore. I'm not going to dwell on these things. I'm not going to think on these things. I'm not going to watch these things. 
and it's things that you're supposed to be doing. Listen, the devil doesn't want you to witness. God has called every Christian to live on mission. And you say, oh, I just can't, and I'm, I'm bashful, my mother was that way, and I can't do this. No, you tell the devil, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not just sins of commission, it's sins of omission. Devil, I'm going to do the things that God tells me to do because he tells me to, and in his power I can do it. And so you sign the Declaration of Independence in the blood of Jesus, and verse 12, you revolt against the devil. See, I'm not going to listen to your voice. I don't care whatever. Well, this person does this, and this person does this. I'm not comparing myself to anybody else. I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. I'm revolting against culture and the voice of the devil. I'm not going to let sin reign in my mortal body. Well, what do I do next? Look at verse number 13. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. What's he talking about members? Everybody wave your arm at me like this. You just waved a member. All right, next arm. Simon says, right here, wave it. You just waved a, another member. He says, don't present your body. Look at verse number 13. Don't present your, when he says members of, in, don't, don't present your body as instruments of unrighteousness. You know, it is possible that this morning, aren't you proud of our music ministry here to God's glory at Greenwood? That the beautiful, godly, Christ-honoring music, listen to me, the beautiful Christ-honoring music that comes out of these instruments. You know, one of my favorite, two of my favorite parts of the service are the, the prelude and the offertory. Just to hear the, the, the Christ-honoring music. And though I, the words aren't being sung, I know the words. Right? Well, what if, though, one Sunday, they all just got together and started playing some satanic-inspired, devil-honoring rock song? Well, it's the same instruments, but they're not being used to honor God. They're glorifying Satan. That's exactly what Paul's saying. Listen, don't present your body. Don't present your eyes. Don't present your mouth. Don't present your hands, don't present your feet, don't present your heart to be used by the devil. But rather, look what the Bible says, but present it yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness for God. He says, let God use your body for the upbuilding of His kingdom and for His glory. And that's what, that's what Paul's saying for him. You're going to serve one or two masters. And so listen, you, you can comprehend that Jesus has died for you every day. And you can see yourself in his death, his burial, and your resurrection. You say, yep, that's me. And you can, you can even choose to reckon yourself and say, man, listen, I choose for this to have effect on my life. I'm going to allow the pardon of Christ to set me free from sin. But listen, you're still not there if you don't choose to serve God. I mean, to be a doer of His Word, you're not going to experience spiritual freedom. I mean, how many of us know that God's called the church to share the gospel? Can I see your hand? Isn't that great to know that? Doesn't do anybody a bit of good till we go and tell them, though, does it? Then you know, we can sing, rescue the perish, and care for the dying. Have conferences after conferences, studies on how to share the gospel, but sooner or later, somebody's got to tell. And so it's not enough just to know these truths and then to affirm these truths and say, I reckon it's so in my life. 
I consider myself free in Jesus. You must daily choose, friend, who you're going to serve. You chose when you trusted Christ, but every day that you get up out of the bed, you've got to say, God, it's a brand new day. Private Chandler reporting for duty. I'll serve you with my whole heart, mind, and strength today. It's a choice that you've got to make. And if you don't do that, friend, there's only one default. You're going to serve the devil. You say, I would never serve the devil. If you don't serve God, you're serving the devil. There's only two choices. That's why he says, don't present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Verse number 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you. Don't you buy into all this psycho garbage that you need extra help. And really this pill and this program is what's going to take to get you over the top. Friend, listen, if you've been saved, friend, the power of the Holy Spirit can give you a victory and freedom over any sin that the devil throws your way. Don't you listen to society. Christ is sufficient. Christ is enough. Right down in the margin of your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. In verse number 13, where Paul says to a very plagued church that we studied about this morning in, in, in Bible study, no temptation has overtaken you such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will make the way of escape so that you may be able to bear it. What's God saying? There's not one snare that Satan can throw your way from that you can have victory over through the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's a choice that, that you've got to make. He continues on in verse number 15. What then? Well, shall we sin because we're under the law and under grace? A lot of churches teaching that today. Just do whatever you want. You're under grace. Paul says, certainly not. That's not the life of someone that loves the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves, verse 16, to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? That is, friend, you're going to be a slave to God or a slave to the devil. It's that simple. Verse 17, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine of which you've been delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. And friend, I'm telling you, I'd rather be a slave to Jesus Christ than a slave of the devil any day. You see, the devil said, well, you're, you're missing out. How do you think we got in the shape we're in? In the garden, Genesis chapter 3, the serpent was more subtle than he beast filled the Lord God created. And suddenly he came in, and he began to, to beguile Eve, Adam willingly sinned. The, the lie that Satan told, don't miss this, the lie that Satan told Eve and Adam swallowed was that God's holding out on you. That living a life of surrender, full surrender, not compartmentalized, full surrender to his lordship, he's holding back on you. He just knows that the day that you eat thereof, you'll be just like him. And they bought it, and by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin. Any of you ever purchased a house before? I know many of you built one. You're still living in the one that you built. Granddaddy rolled it down three logs, and you're still there. But any of you ever just gone through the process of buying a house? We've done it three different times uh, since we've been in ministry. And there's something that will happen the day that you sign. You have a final walkthrough. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, say amen. 
You know, the final walkthrough. So you go through and make sure everything's the way it was when you looked at it, when you bought it. Well, imagine this. Imagine that you, you're going through and the owner of the house is there and you're, you're walking around and you, you, they put the keys, you know, in your hand to open the doors and look at everything. You're like, all right, this is still here and this is here. And you get all the way to the very end of inspecting the whole house, but then you come to this one room and there's a lock on the door and a padlock on it. And you go, what's in here? And you start, we didn't see this the last time we were here. And you start putting all the keys in there. And the owners kind of start looking down at the ground and they're kind of kicking their feet around on the floor. You say, hey, what's the deal here? You, we can't get in this room. You say, well, well, that's our room. You say, what do you mean? We're, we're, we're buying this house. The whole thing. Well, yeah, we're selling you this house, but we're keeping this room. Everything that's in this room still belongs to us. And we're going to keep the keys to this room. And you sit there this morning, you say, well, that's nuts. Nobody would ever do that. Well, nobody might ever do it with the house for him, but I don't listen to you. Christians do it every single day to God. Every single day. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 19 says this. Listen to me. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Listen to verse 20. Listen. For you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And the reason so many Christians, friend, walk in spiritual defeat and not in victory over sin is this. They've got parts in their lives that they've taken the keys back to. Now, God, you, you own this part, God, and you own that. And God, you're Lord over this. But we've got, I've got this one, but now we've developed this. God, we've got this thing we're doing now. We've got, I've got this room. It belongs to me. Don't you listen to me. God will not be Lord over 99% of your life. He'll have the keys to all of it, or he'll have the keys to none of it. And my friend, you can't lose your salvation, but you'll lose the joy of your salvation. You'll lose the joy of walking in victory, because when you put a lock on the part of your life that Christ can't be Lord over, you've just started serving the devil. It's that simple. And that's why the third, the third key to walking in victory, friend, is to choose to serve God wholly. I want to ask you a question. Everybody look at me. We're going to invitation. Don't check out. Listen, would you be honest with God? If you've been saved, say amen. Be honest before God. Be honest. Is there a room in your life that God doesn't have the key to right now that you've taken repossession over? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Then give it to him today. Jesus died to set you free. You've got to comprehend that. You've got to understand who you are in Christ. Identify yourself with him. His death, his burial, his resurrection. You've got to choose to consider yourself free. The devil says you're not, but the Bible says you are. You've got to choose to consider yourself. My friend, listen. You have, to, you have to choose to serve God wholeheartedly on the authority of God's Word. Listen to my voice. If there's any part of your life, any part of your family that God doesn't have the keys to right now wholly, 
then you're not serving Him. And stop today. Friend, He can do so much more with that part of your life if you'll just give it to Him. And it's going to cost you. It may be painful. It's going to bring about change. But I promise, He can do more with all of your life than you allow the devil to do with part of it. So as a child of God this morning, if you realize you're not walking holy in spiritual freedom, choose to give it all back to Him this morning. Pray just like this where you sit. Mean it from all, with all your heart. God, thank you for the day you saved my soul. I was so lost. I remember it. The burden. How terrible my life was. I remember the joy when I turned from sin and trusted you. That newness. Joy studying your word. Telling people what you have done. But God, I've got to be honest. Through the conviction of the Holy Spirit this morning. There's a room in my life that you don't have the keys to anymore. It may be my schedule, my time, my priorities, my finances, my speech, my leisure time, whatever it is. God, I've got the keys to it now. And I see in your word today, I'm not serving you anymore by default. I haven't even realized it. I'm serving the devil. I'm living for him. Your word says so. God, I lay my life like the day I got saved, fresh at your feet today. Take all of my life. Here are all the keys. Every room, every bit of it, it's yours. Take me, use me, help me to walk in victory. As I understand what it is you've done for me, I know, I comprehend. I consider myself today free in Jesus Christ. Sin has no grip over my life. And I choose to serve Jesus with all my life. That's my decision. You may be sitting here this morning, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and you've never been set free from sin's penalty. There's never really been a moment that you've turned from sin and trusted Jesus to be Lord of your life. You must be born again. He loves you. He died for you. Will you not turn from all your sin today? And confess Jesus as Lord of your life. Friend, I don't care what you've done, how far in sin's barrel you've sunk. His grace will take you and cleanse you. His mercy will forgive you. He'll set you free and give you a new life if you'll only turn and receive it today. Tell him so where you sit just like this. God, forgive me a sinner. I confess my sin. I turn from it. I trust Jesus for the first time to be Lord of my life, Lord of all of me. I turn from sin. I turn to you, Jesus. Save me. Now take me. Make me into the man or woman you want me to be. Use my life for the building of your kingdom and for your glory. What days I have left, I will serve you and be obedient to your will and to your word. That's my commitment today. Oh, Father, I pray not one person that's sitting here today whose life is defeated and marred by sin will leave that way. Thank you for the spiritual freedom that we can have in your precious Son. And I pray, God, that we will receive it today. It'll be a reality in our life. And God, I pray you will break our hearts and burden us for those who were bound. Many people in our country have political freedom today, but they're bound by, by spiritual bondage. Burden our hearts to take the gospel in these days to the lost, I pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's reverently stand our feet.